Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Listen for Mark's account of the transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice that said, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's the story of a woman named Miriam who grew up and lived in a really difficult neighborhood of a developing country. In this small town, there was considerable cartel presence. It was pretty much run by the cartel. One day, Miriam received the news that every mother dreads, and it was that her daughter had been kidnapped while driving. Miriam anxiously waited, waited by the phone, knowing that it was pretty much useless to go to the police due to the lack of resources and perhaps cops being controlled by the cartel themselves. And so, to her relief, she finally got that call, the ransom call, to deliver an exorbitant amount of money in return of her daughter. She quickly got all the money and brought it to the drop location and then waited by the phone hoping to hear from her daughter. But the call never came. Miriam never heard from the cartel again, from the kidnappers. Her daughter never came. Miriam was devastated and didn't know what to do. Finally, one day, she made a contact with a young man who was known to be involved in some of the nefarious activities. And she set up a meeting at a a local restaurant. And meeting with this young man, she pled, she begged for her daughter, saying that she would do anything if only to get her daughter back. And the young man said, I, haven't, I don't know anything about your daughter. We, haven't, we didn't kidnap her. We haven't heard anything. And Miriam knew this wasn't true, and so she kept driving at this young man, pleading with him. And finally he says, all right, if you're able to come up with some money and give it to me, I'll do some digging around and see what information I can find. So Miriam once again delivers a large sum of money, even though she knows there's little hope. And she delivers the money just like last time, and the young man ghosts her. He never responds to her calls again. She calls and she calls, and he never responds. And it's in that moment of despair that she decides if the police will do nothing, if 
If delivering money won't do something, she'll do something on her own. So she jumped on Facebook and began searching, researching, trying to track down this young man in any way that she could. Remembering little facts about words he had said, names that were used, clothes that he wore, slang that he mentioned. And eventually, through months of hard work and some, a few chance encounters, she eventually tracks down this young man who stole and exhorted the money from her. She takes a large sum of evidence to a police detective when they begin to work together. And she helps to set up a sting to arrest this young man. When they arrest the young man, they question him and they get other names of other people in the cartel and they go and arrest those young men. One of the young men was only 18, just a boy. And after much questioning, with Miriam in the other room directing the detective what to say because of the research that she had done, the boy begins to crack. He begins to tell all sorts of names, all sorts of information that he knows. And as he's telling all this information, he begins to get very upset and he begins to cry and says, I'm, I'm so sorry, but can I please call my mom? I'm so hungry. Miriam hears this and she leaves the interrogating room she goes and buys a sandwich and a soda. And as she walks back into the room, the policeman says, What are you doing? Don't you know who this kid is? Don't you know what he's done? He's a murderer. He's the one who killed your daughter. And Miriam says, Yeah, I, I know what he did. And I fully understand that. I understand that more than you ever could. But here's the truth that that is a boy in there and that boy is a son and I am a mother. And she brought the soda and the sandwich and gave it to him. We have these moments in our life when a deeper truth is revealed, when the reality of a situation, the reality of a person, the reality of our sen ourselves transcends what is merely on the surface. Yes, it's true what that young boy did. It's true that he murdered. It's true that Miriam is a victim, that she was exhorted. But there's a deeper truth to her. And that truth is that she was first a mother. The disciples in our Mark text knew they were following a great rabbi. An influential teacher, a powerful person here on earth. He performed miracles. He taught with authority. He cast out demons. He healed people. They knew Jesus was special. But in this terrifying, awesome, powerful moment up on the mountain, away from everyone else, they witness the transfiguration. They witness something truer, something realer, and it's unveiled to them. The scales fall from their eyes, and they see Jesus converse with the great patriarchs of their faith. They see that Jesus is endowed with power that shakes the earth, that Jesus is the Son of the living God, the Beloved. The truth of who Jesus is is scary. It leaves them terrified. The text says, 
that they don't even know what to say because they're so terrified. And isn't that the truth? That revelation can at times be absolutely terrifying. For Miriam, revelation in a moment, a new truth revealed, meant she knew she must show compassion She must show grace in such a small way when all she wanted for so long was justice and vengeance and retribution. And she rightly deserved those things. But the revelation of being a mother superseded her righteous anger. Revelation is scary because it can call us to do something we absolutely have no desire to do. No will to be a part of Revelation calls us back to that deep truth that God is love, that God has called us to grace. And though those are wonderful, true statements that God is love and God is grace, it's terrifying because it's mean that it means that we cannot remain the same. We cannot act exactly as we once were, as we act as we'd like to act in all circumstances, that we have a deeper calling to step out in faith. Revelation of who Jesus is transforms who we are. In our life, we're confronted with Jesus, the Son of God who embodied mercy and love in the purest form. We realize we cannot act the same. We cannot exist in our communities like we once were. And that is frightening. Luckily, though revelation can be scary, though the truth of who God is can be awing, the gospel provides us with encouragement, with hope to carry on when we're struck with paralysis. And that truth is something so scary. That truth is to be still and listen to Jesus Christ to listen to Jesus Christ's call on our life, to just be still and listen. Now, why is that comforting in the midst of fear? Why does it matter? It matters because in listening to Jesus, we are reminded that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are adopted into the family of God. We, too, are beloved children. Of God. That word beloved in Greek is agapitas, which means dearly, unconditionally loved. We are dearly, unconditionally loved children of the God Most High. And every person we interact with is dearly, unconditionally loved by the God Most High. The God who is the perfection of beauty, who shines forth light, the God who is a devouring, purifying fire, the God whose majesty is like a tempest blowing and roaring, the God whose righteousness is declared in the heaven, the God who is the mighty creator. That God calls you beloved and calls you to listen, to listen to Jesus, to listen to the Logos, the Word, to listen to the Word made flesh in all our lives. There will be 
moments in your life where everyone around you will tell you you are justified in a decision. You have every right to continue as you are, that it's even prudent to proceed in the trajectory you're heading. But then there will be a moment of transcendence when something beyond our culture, beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension is revealed. A truth that leads you to something deeper, and it will no doubt be terrifying. But in that moment, remember what you are called to, to listen to Jesus. And remember the truth that listening to Jesus reveals that you are beloved, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and has adopted you into the family of God. And in that moment, listen to what you are called to. It may be as simple as buying a soda and a sandwich. It may be as extreme as showing love to your enemy. Regardless, you, church, are called. Called to listen to Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, who knows you by name and says, follow me. Thanks be to God. Amen.